Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Got your Bibles this morning. Go with me to the book of Philippians. We're going to be there again this week. I want to preach uh, another message out of that book. Uh, this morning, I've entitled my message, The Danger of the Bling Church, B-L-I-N-G, Bling Church. And uh, I, I, God has given me some thoughts, and, and I believe a message for us for this day. Um, is there anybody here, and, and this isn't a bad thing, I'm just different personalities, different ways. Anybody here love bling? Anybody a bling lover? I mean, there are some people that can pull off bling. Michael Jordan, that dude, he could wear the chains and the suits, right? He could pull it off, but I'm not that guy. I just wondered if any of you were. And if you don't know what bling is, bling is, I'm going to use it a little bit broadly this morning, but it's its jewelry, it's flashy, it's its sparkly, it's going big, it's its its all of those things. Those, those things there, when I did a search for bling, those are the things that I I got, and there's, and there's nothing wrong with bling. Listen, if you've got a Rolex, man, wear it, okay? I, 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 this is not a sermon against wearing your Rolex if you, if you have one. If you've got a, an Armani suit, break it out, okay? That's fine. If you like diamonds, wear your diamonds. Don't flaunt them, but wear them. There's no, I'm not, I'm not, this is not a sermon against bling. Some people just absolutely love bling. But the problem is, unfortunately, many Christians have become lovers of what I'm going to title this morning the Bling Church. And I'm going to use that term a little bit broadly, uh, maybe even a little bit out of context, I don't know. But when I say the Bling Church, what I mean by the Bling Church is they've fallen in love with the flashy church. They've fallen in love with the produced church. They've fallen in love with what seems to be the church that's full of success. And we like bling. We like the Bling Church. It gives, it's the church that gives the appearance of perfect. It's the church that gives the appearance of got it all together. You guys know any churches like that? Here, here's what I find out. Most of the time, those churches are churches that are seen from a distance. They're churches that are seen on social media They're, and, and, or pastors that are seen on social media or seen on television or, or seen from a distance. Because here, here's, here's the truth that I learned a long time ago. Um, any friend I've ever had, I never liked them more than just before they became my friend. You understand what I'm saying? Any job, any job that I've ever gotten, any job that I've ever stepped into, that job was never any better than just the moment before I actually took the job. You understand what I'm saying? Let, let, me, let me put it this way, okay? This is probably true of all of you. Anybody that you've ever dated... Okay, they were probably never more perfect than just the moment when you started to date them. Things look a whole lot better from a distance, right? They look a whole lot better from a distance, and I think we've become a nation. We've some, sometimes Christians we we get to where we really like the bling church, and I think part of it is it's the feeling, it's the sense that if I'm part of that church, then that must mean I'm a success too. Right? If, if I'm part of that crowd, then that means I'm, I'm that way too. I've got it all together. 
But there's an old saying that everything that sparkles is in diamonds. Sometimes gold is just fool's gold. Because when I read my Bible and I read the New Testament, I come to realize that the, the biblical story of the church, the biblical picture of the church is not a bling church. The church isn't a finished product. It's not flashy. It's not full of altogether people. Paul paints a very different picture. I'll, I'll go this far with you this morning. I'll, I'll say this. The biblical church probably couldn't be successful on TV. Even, even Paul couldn't pastor some of those churches because he wasn't perfect enough. I mean, Paul, you read about Paul. Paul we're going to look at Paul in Philippians this morning, but, but even other places in, in, in Scripture, Paul was a work in progress his whole life. The, the guy at one point, he got so angry with the church at Galatia. You go and read the letter he wrote to the Galatians. He got so angry with some of the people at the church in Galatia. At one point he said, he said I wish you all would go emasculate yourselves. Seriously, that you don't believe me? You go read it. That's what it says in Galatians. Paul, Paul was a guy that he was a work in progress his whole life, and we're going to see that this morning. I want to share with you this morning the story of a biblical church. If you've got your Bibles there, Philippians 1.6 is where we're going to look. Uh, I, I want us to look and see what the church of the Bible is. Philippians 1.6 puts it this way, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, Catch that. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So the work that's going on in you and in me one of these days will be done. It will be completed. I, I will one day be made as perfect as the church and the pastor that I think is out there somewhere. It will be brought to completion, but then he says at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, when I step into eternity. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? As long as you're living, breathing, moving on this earth, this side of eternity, you are going to be, and I am going to be, we are going to continue to be a work in progress. And those pastors and those spiritual leaders and those churches out there that give the appearance of having it all together on this side, it's fool's gold. Because they too, like we, are still a work in progress. We are all a work in progress. And sometimes we forget that. Now look, none of us really ever forget it about the other guy. Right? Because we, we got to deal with their mess. But have you ever noticed we have a tendency to get used to our own mess, our own stink? And we forget it about ourselves? And I think there's some wisdom in remembering this about all of us. You, you, you all ready for this? Can I give you a truth bomb this morning? You ready for this? All right. What you all call righteousness, God calls rags. You understand what I'm saying? What we call righteousness, what we call right living, what we call got it all together, what we call righteousness, you go back and read the book of Isaiah, God calls it rags. Our righteousness in comparison to God is like rags, filthy rags is what he actually says. What we call righteousness, God calls rags. 
Paul, Paul puts it this way in the very next verse. He says, look, Paul, Paul sitting in prison, Paul having preached the gospel, Paul being the, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the book, two-thirds of the New Testament, sitting in prison, he says, you all, you guys in Philippians, you people in Philippians, you are partakers of grace with me. And I think there's another thing in there that it pays for us to remember, and it's this, that, listen, we all are living in God's grace. Do you, do you all know what grace is? you understand what grace is? you ever... I don't even know if they do this anymore. I suppose it's still a thing. You ever heard of a grace period? You ever had a bill come due? And, and it's due on such and such a date, but they'll give you a 10-day grace period? You ever, anybody, ever, anybody ever live on your grace periods? You don't have to raise your hand. We, I've had those moments, right? A grace period, they give you 10 days. It's, it's, it's 10 days that you don't deserve. 10 days that you aren't really yours. It's 10 days that they give you just out of grace. It's the grace period. And that's the way we live. We live in God's grace. We're all, everyone in this room, I don't care how righteous you are. I don't care how long you've been a follower of Christ. I don't care how together you've got it. I don't care how good you feel about yourself. We are all living in God's grace. God has extended to us each and every one. I don't care how good your life is. God has extended to each and every one of us something we didn't deserve. His forgiveness, His love, His grace. And I have people come to me and say, Pastor Barry, I just don't believe God is going to allow me to go to hell because I'm a good person. And I say to them, listen, the thing that keeps you from spending eternity separated from God is not how good you are. Because if that was what did it, none of us would make it. None of us would have heaven as our home. It's not how good we are that gets us to heaven. It's simply the fact that we've chosen to make Jesus our Savior and forgive us of our sins. And then God extends His grace to us. We're all living in grace. Paul says in verse 7, he says, You are all partakers of grace with me. And you know, one of the things I appreciate about the New Testament, I appreciate about the Bible Paul's writings, and really the whole, the whole, whole book of Scripture is, man, God is just blunt and transparent about the mess that His people walk through and bring upon themselves sometimes. You ever notice that? I mean, God, God, God doesn't ever front, okay? He, he, doesn't ever, he, he doesn't ever whitewash. He doesn't ever... Um, you know, brush over anything. He, he has a tendency, as he had people write this stuff, he, he has a tendency to put it out there as it really was. And I, I, th Let me just read a couple of examples, okay, of the imperfect Christians that Paul was dealing with in, in Philippi when he wrote Philippians. He says in verse, I'm going to read verse 15 and 17 this morning. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. These are preachers of the gospel. These are people that are preaching, and he says the reason they preach is out of envy and rivalry. He said they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. They, they go out and witness and tell people about Jesus. They go out and witness and tell people about the goodness of God. They go out and witness and tell people about the good news that you can now walk in a living, right relationship with God because of Jesus. But they do it because they're selfish. It's out of selfish ambition because the more people I tell about Jesus, the more money I can put in my pocket. That's pretty messed up, right? I mean, am I the only one that thinks that? That's, that's pretty twisted. Not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. I mean, they're doing what they're doing to cause harm to Paul. And then in verses 19 through 20, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare because they all seek 
their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That's some pretty twisted stuff in the church. And as bad as Philippians, Philippi was, you really want to be set back on your heels? Go read Corinthians. Those people were a real mess. Read Galatians. Those people were a real mess. And I know this morning it's easy to sit back and think, well, Pastor Barry, look, I, I'm not any of those. I'm not those guys. I'm not those people. I'm not like that. That's not why I do what I do. Sometimes we find ourselves in the mode of, you know, we, and preachers are the worst for this. We like to pick on the big stuff. But we all Christians, we all kind of struggle with this. You know, Pastor Barry, I, I don't commit adultery. I've never married anybody, or I've never, I've never married anybody. I've never murdered anybody. <laughs> you know, those of you that have been around have heard this one. It's, it's, it's an old school thing. I don't, just hitting the big things. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew. I don't kiss the girls that do. Y'all heard that? We like to pick on the big stuff. Quote, big stuff. Pastor Barry, I'm not that bad. I, I really am. I'm not, that, I'm not that person. But yet, we can let a little bit of covetousness in our heart. Oh, we never come out and say that we were upset because somebody had more than us or got a better job than us or had a bigger house than us or were driving a better car than us. But a little covetousness can slip in there. I really want what they got. Or a little envy. I mean, pick your poison, right? Because we're all a work in progress. So Pastor Barry, quit talking to me. Well, I'm talking to me this morning because I'm a work in progress too. You know, we don't hit the big stuff. No, I don't murder anybody, but well, I sure can be pretty nasty with that person. We have to really be careful that we don't put ourselves on a self-righteous pedestal and forget that we're all partakers of grace with Paul. We deal with manipulation and anger and hate and gossip and so many other things. And the thing is, even as Paul wrote Philippians, he, he said, look, he said, let me, let me tell you, church, let, he said, let me tell you, even I'm a work in progress. He says in verse 8 of chapter 3, he says, indeed, I count everything as loss, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. He said, he said, I've not yet attained. I'm yet not yet convinced that I got it all together. I'm still a work in progress. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect. He says, I'm not perfect, but I press on to make it my own. And this is, guys, listen, man, this is Paul that on the Damascus road, he was headed to Damascus with the goal in his life to get as many of those Christians as he could and to throw them into prison and to beat them and to have them executed because he believed they were he believed they were dangerous to following the one true God, the real God. And on the Damascus Road, this man who was a, a, a religious uh, fundamentalist, I mean, he was just sold out to following God. 
on the Damascus Road, he ran headlong into Jesus in such a powerful way that it completely changed his life and his worldview, and he went from being the guy that persecutes those Christians to becoming the biggest of those Christians. And yet he says, I've still not arrived. I'm still not where I need to be. I'm still a work in progress. This is Paul that after he met Jesus on the Damascus Road and figured out that, that Jesus is God, he, he went on into Damascus and, and stood up and preached the gospel, preached about Jesus to such an extent that if you read in Acts, I read it last Wednesday in our study, you read in Acts, it says that the, the Jewish people in Damascus had no answer for him and they became so angry with him, they sought to kill him. And he says, I've still not arrived. I'm still a work in progress. We're all still a work in progress. He goes on in verse 13. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forget, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And let me, let me just say this to you this morning. Everybody in this room has history, Right? fair? Everybody in this room has a story, and every one of us has parts of our story that we're not really interested in standing up and telling the rest of the world about. Right? Paul said, I forget what is behind me, and I press on towards the mark. Do you know what he means by that? He said, I have to choose to forget the moments in time... He says, I have to forget that I was the one standing there giving approval when they picked up stones and they threw them at Stephen until he was dead, laying on the ground a bloody heap. I have to forget that. I have to put that reality behind me. He said, I have to forget that I was headed to Damascus. He says, I, not forget. He doesn't forget. He said, I have to put it behind me that I was on the way to Damascus to destroy the people of God. He said, I have to put these things behind me and I press on towards the mark and if you're here this morning and the thing that causes you to struggle, the thing that makes, makes this thing of serving Jesus hard is you remember who you were, you remember where you've been, you remember what you've done, and you feel like, I'm not sure God can forgive me, I'm not sure I can forgive me, then, then I would say to you what Paul said, we have to forget what is behind us. Maybe we don't truly forget it, but we choose to move on and press on towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. We're all partakers in grace with Paul. We're all a work in progress. And then he says in verse 15, he says, Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think, any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. He said that's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of growing up. It's a sign of you, you become an adult spiritually. You're moving into a different place, being able to stop being consumed by what you've done and keep your heart and mind focused on where God's taking you. Now, I'd say this morning, and I, this this morning, and let me, let me begin to wrap this up a bit here. If we're all broken works in progress, if we're all partakers of grace, then there comes a point where we have to stop looking for and waiting to be part of the bling church, right? We, there comes a point where we have to allow ourselves to be engaged in the church God has placed us in as imperfect as it may be. And this is a good church, full of imperfect people, led by an imperfect pastor, imperfect teachers, imperfect directors, 
imperfect leaders. It's a good church, full of people that are living as partakers of grace. And here, but, but, so here's another truth for you, okay? Imperfect people will do imperfect things. So, Pastor Barry, what do you mean? Imperfect people do stupid things. Anybody here ever done anything stupid? So stupid you don't want to tell everybody about it? Okay, fair. Imperfect people have, have tempers and attitudes and mouths that sometimes get way ahead of who they really want to be. Imperfect people have bad days that sometimes turn into bad weeks that become bad months and on occasion bad years. And when you run into one of those imperfect people in their bad day, their bad week, or their bad month, the things that come out of their mouth may be imperfect. And you may have a really hard time liking them in that moment. Fair? That's the church. And we can stand back and we can say, you know what, God, I've just choose to not be a part of a church that doesn't ha- that's got so many people, that got so much stuff. So I, I just I don't want to be a part of people like that. That's the church that God calls us to be a part of. Not just this church. You can look for the bling church out there, but I'm telling you now, it's fool's gold and you're never going to find it because it'll be the best church in the world right up to the point where you actually become engaged in it. And then it's going to be like that date. You're going to realize she looked incredibly beautiful until you dated her. You thought she was perfect, perfect personality, perfect sense of humor, laughed at every one of your stupid jokes. Right up till the moment. And she's sitting across the table looking at you and thinking, boy, I thought he was amazing until I realized he chewed with his mouth open, right? Or something. There comes a point where we just have to choose to engage where, where we're at. Let, let, me, let, me, let me describe a healthy church. Can I describe a healthy church for you? Can, can I do this for just a minute? Just, I, I got a few minutes. Let me, let me just do this. You know what a healthy church looks like? Healthy church is going to have pastors and leaders, teachers, and you know it's going to have a group that have some maturity, that have walked through some stuff, crucified some stuff, but are still pretty imperfect. A healthy church is going to have a group of people that understands they're saved by grace, walks in that grace, doesn't take advantage of that grace, and has lived some life. But you know what else a healthy church is going to have? It's going to have the brand new believer that's just trying to figure out what it is even that I believe, whose life's just a wreck. I can remember as a young pastor, like mid-20s at the time with Pastor Duke, um, when when I was first on his staff, I, I can remember him preaching those messages where he'd talk about the altar ought to be a place where there's stains all over the carpet from... People's just snotting and crying and falling, broken, because lives get pretty messed up sometimes. He said it, it ought to be a place where after every service, somebody has to come around and pick up the cigarettes and the needles and the bags of whatever. It ought to be a place where marriages are just falling apart because somebody's marriage was falling apart and realized that 
this is going to change. I need God. That's a healthy church. That's not a bling church. That's, 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 that's not a pretty church. That's not a, that's a, you know what that is? That's a messy group of people. Have you ever read the Gospels? Peter was a wreck. Couldn't keep his mouth shut. And when he opened it, every time he opened it, he shoved his foot as far in it as he could get. I mean, he was up to his knee. Right? You know what a healthy church looks like? A healthy church like, looks like a church that's got a, a group that are, are far from perfect, but they've lived some life, they've got some maturity. But if you're a healthy church, you're going to constantly be like Jesus, wanting to engage with those that are hurting and broken and a mess and say stupid things and do stupid things. And that's a healthy church. God calls us, and, and I am going to end with this. He calls us to engage in the church, not just attend the church. Okay? Some people, their heartbeat is almost this. I'm not willing to be engaged with any group who have so many blank. You all fill in the blank with your chosen adjective there, people. You could say, I, you know, I'm just not interested in engaging with any group of people, any church who have so many broken people or so many self-serving people or so many hateful people or so many mean people or the one that I hear all the time and you do too is so many hypocritical people. But I think we have to remember that what we call our righteousness, God calls rags. And in somebody else's world, we are that person. There's a difference between attending a church and engaging in a church. It's, it's, the, difference between, it's the difference between attending uh, a play, a, the, a theater, not a movie, but a, the theater, and engaging in the theater. Any of you here, what, what's the big theater they have up on the north side of Indianapolis everybody loves to go to? What is it? Not the IMAX. No, the, it's, it's actually plays, theater, or true theater, where they, they put on productions. Man, y'all are going as blank as I am. What is it? Palladium. That's not what I'm thinking of, but that may be one. They had, they had the wagon wheel in Warsaw. I remember that. That was northern Indiana, right? The, well, they have the Civic Theater. Where is it Matt goes all the time, Ruthie? Beef and Borgs. There it is. You guys ever been to a Beef and Borgs production? I've been to one. It was, Ruthie, help me out. We went with my grandkids. What did we go to to see? Elf. We went and saw Elf at Beef and Borgs, right? This guy come out in an Elf suit, and they put on this whole production, and it was hilarious and funny, and I attended. When I walked out, I had a full belly because they fed me. My hair was just like it's supposed to be because I didn't have to do anything. Didn't break a sweat. Kind of nice. But the people that actually engaged in that, they were exhausted. They were tired. They had perspired. They had sweat. They had worked. That's the difference between being somebody that attends a church and somebody that's engaged in a church. That, that's the difference between being somebody that's a, that attends 
with a group of people and somebody that's engaged with a group of people because the church isn't the organization, the building, it's the families, the people. And I'm saying to you this morning, God has called us to be a people that engages with one another, engages as the church. And we're a mess. I mean, we're a good church. I, I, I keep saying we're a mess, and I keep thinking, man, we got guests, and they don't, they're, they're not going to put this in context. And we're, we're a good church and good people and generous and all those things, but we're still sinners saved by grace. We have bad days and bad weeks and bad months and bad years and say stupid things and do stupid things, and that's the reason you feel comfortable here. <laughs> that's why I like pastoring you all. Because I fit right in. And God says, and Paul says, engage. Stop living for and looking and requiring the bling church because it's a fake, it's a phony, it's fool's gold. It doesn't exist. And I, Jesus set the example, folks. He chose to come to this earth, and he didn't just attend synagogue. He engaged in synagogue. He didn't just attend um, hanging out with Peter, James, and John. He engaged in their lives, okay? He poured him. He didn't, he didn't just attend the crucifixion. He was engaged in the crucifixion. He didn't just attend serving others and watch other people serve. He was engaged in the serving. He set the example, and he calls us, he calls us to engage as part of the church. Here's the reality. We're all broken and imperfect people. The church is a place of broken and imperfect Christians. Jesus set the example of serving broken and perfect people by engaging in their lives, and that's the healthiest church. It's a church that has people of maturity in it, and it has a church, it's a place of messiness in it as well. It's where lives are changed and people grow and love and miracles happen. That's what God has called us to do and to be. And if you would stand with me this morning, here, here's, I hope something in all of this this morning challenges you a little bit, encourages you to engage in a church somewhere, to be engaged in the church. We'd love to have you engaged in this church, but to be engaged, and, and the way we do that, the way we engage is this, we serve others. We serve others. The way we engage is this, we serve with others. Some of those same messy people I'm talking about, we serve with others. The way we engage is this, we grow relationships, friendships, bonds, connections. Kim or Jer or Christine, I think, I think it was Kim or Jer, one of them last, or no, probably Pastor Scotty actually. I think it was Scotty. He's like, man, I'm, I'm ready to go because people were standing around talking, 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 talking. Last week he's like, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it's basically, man, are they ever going to get done? Because <laughs> he's thinking, I'm ready to go home. I'm hungry, you know? And uh, I, I told him, I said, man, I, I, I get what you're saying because I'm ready to go home too. And actually, I can because that's the one nice thing about having a, an assistant, a, a youth pastor is, here, Scotty, lock the doors. I'm going home after February. That will no longer be in place. But um, I said, Scotty, for the first for the longest time, man, it's like, you know, people were gone in five minutes after church. It was just, they were just gone. It wasn't a whole lot. I said, so while I understand what you're saying, I'm so glad to see this. People standing around and talking with their masks on, right? <laughs> it's hard with COVID. Engage in somebody's life. That's what God calls us to do. 
Will you pray with me? Father, we love you, and thank you so much for the example you give us in Philippians. You call us to be engaged in your church. It's a messy church, full of messy, broken people, living by grace. And my prayers we leave this morning is this. Holy Spirit, would you work on the minds and the hearts of everybody in this room? And God, would you inspire them to find a church and be engaged in that church? Mess and all. Because, Lord, it's in, it's in that moment, it's in that place, it's in that reality that we see miracles happen and we see lives changed and we see brokenness fixed and, and it even happens in our own life. God, give us such love and such patience with each other that we just refuse to disengage no matter what's done, said, or crazy thing happens. Because we love you and because we love you, we love each other. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.